Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Paranormal Journal. I'm your host, John Curley. Uh, it is December 2nd already. Wow. December 2nd. Whew, time flies, man. Another day, another hour. So tonight, I will have a co-host with me. It's going to be Nick. He's going to be my, he is my paranormal investigator in my group, and he is the researcher of all our case files. So, Nick, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing, man? Good, good. So, man, our Marietta case been pretty fascinating, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I just recently joined the uh, group, and so this has been my first real kind of paranormal investigation, and it's been uh, it's been pretty awesome, I have to say, for a first investigation. Yeah, have you had any other kind of paranormal experiences, like, through your life? Um, you know, it's interesting because I've always kind of considered myself kind of like Fox Mulder, and, like, I want to believe. Like, I've always wanted to really get, like, a – a solid, solid um, experience. Um, but there's been a few times where there's been things that I can't quite explain. Um, there was uh, one time when I, um, I had I, someone I dated worked at a, uh, a historical society. And so they took care of these old historical homes and I would kind of get asked uh, by her to, to just like help volunteer for like an open house kind of thing. And these houses like were notorious for having ghosts. Like everyone who volunteered there had a ghost story. And I was like, I need to have a ghost story. Um, And so I was downstairs. So it's open house. It's open. It's the middle of the day. um, And uh, guests are only allowed on the first floor. And so I'm on the first floor, just kind of like saying some general historical stuff that I knew just kind of like being kind of like a little bit of a guide. And one of the other volunteers runs into the house to me and says, who's upstairs? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I can see the front, the staircase. There's only a staircase in the front and a staircase all the way in the back in like the, um, in the, like the, the servants quarters of the house. And there was another person all the way back there. And both of us are like, no one went up the stairs. So no one should be upstairs. And so she went upstairs looked around, no one was there and came back down and said, you know, I, I saw someone in the window, like when I was outside. Um, So I didn't necessarily see that. I was kind of like, but I was there for that. Um, I had a pretty recent one um, down in Cape May where uh, I was on just like a, a ghost tour of the cold Springs uh, village. And it's like a, a, it's a village where they kind of took historical houses from like all over Cape May County and to like keep them, you know, you know, to keep them together for historical purposes, they all kind of bring them here. And I was on a tour and I kind of like separated from the tour and kind of started taking pictures of this one house. It's an outside, um, it's like this big, excuse me, like big open area. And the tour guide says, you know, who who says they're a medium, um, was like, hey, you, you're in a really good spot. There's a ghost right next to you. And I'm like, what? And so I'm taking pictures and like the entire tour group starts taking pictures of me. And my friend's <laughs> girlfriend, uh, <laughs> who was one of those people taking pictures of me, caught uh, a, a pretty, uh, inter- like a, a pretty interesting, like half person blur standing next to me. 
um, it was pretty, it was pretty weird. So, so I've had like those kind of things that are like, I, you know, there's something, there's something might be there, but not the like, you know, uh, well, I should say before the Marietta case, I, I, those were my experiences. So what do you think of the Marietta case? Uh, I mean, I think, so we've been able to investigate it twice so far. Um, the first time, uh, you know, I was kind of, I, you know, we, t- you talked about another uh, podcast, but the second time um, I, I'm pretty sure I heard at least two voices. Um, you were there for the one and one was uh, in the basement. Um, and so that, that one actually kind of freaked me out because it was the first time that I was like, that was a voice. Like that was yeah. a, that was a, that was a whisper. Like that was. Yeah, no- you sent that to me, and I was like, I don't think you can make out what you what you heard. But then when I put it on the computer, I was like, Oh, that's saying who who are you? Yeah. And you yeah. heard it out loud because you're like, Dude, I just heard a voice, and I'm like, Then I, I'm hearing it on there, and I'm like, I pumped it up on the computer, and I'm like, Oh man, that's saying like, who are you? It sounded like a little kid almost. Hmm. It de- it. I mean, like I, I you can hear it in the recording that I sent you. I kind of freaked out because I was like. What like I it was the first time that I heard something like that. So that was that was quite exciting. I mean yeah, I was I mean, only there for like what we just started investigating maybe like half hour earlier. Yeah. I mean that's that's why I was telling people I'm like this kind of case, you don't get a lot of cases like this where the activity is where you're hearing disembodied voices out loud and it's it's intelligently responding to you. You know, you don't you don't get a whole lot of cases like that. And uh to have this much stuff that's been happening since we've been there, it's it's been pretty amazing. And you you got into the history of the house and dug into that, so uh, we can get into that. Uh, what what all did you find out about this house? Yeah, so it's actually a pretty interesting area. So kind of like the general history of that location um, is uh, basically uh, Ab uh, uh, Abram. Uh, Hess uh, purchased the the several hundred acres of land um, from this guy James Logan at about 1730, um, and this was situated in the location where this house is. Um, and they soon the uh, Hess quickly created a mill there at the area because there's some rivers and um, you know, uh, so he created the the mill. Um, and operated that till about 1760. And then the property passed to John Grove. And then in 1787, John Grove converted the grist and the sawmills uh, to his son, Henry. And then later in 1795, sold 100 acres of the land uh, and the mills to uh, at Abram Shock of Manor Township. Wow. Um, yeah. And then so soon after the... Uh, Revolution, the American Revolution, uh, Conrad Zagel, um, he settled above Shock's Mill. Uh, and so in 1845, the sons of Com- uh, Conrad Zagel built a large stone grist mill uh, on the farm. Um, and uh, and yeah, and so kind of the Shock's and the Zagel's kind of uh, both had mills and kind of both lived in this um, little town. That's like, uh, you know, I don't want to give too much information exactly where it is, but it's slightly above Marietta. Okay. So did you see, did you find out about if there was any deaths in the house or anything like that? 
So what's super interesting is there, um, the the owners of the house gave you actually this memoir of someone who lived in the house. Yes, uh, yeah. and you pass that on to me, which um, had a pretty interesting uh, section. So it was a memoir written by Barbara Ziegel Snyder uh, Musser, um, and she lived in the house from like eighteen ninety six to nineteen oh nine, and she moved there. Um, at two years old um, with uh, her uncle Amos Ziegler and her aunt Alice Um, and uh, she moved there and kind of for like off and on and then her mother died when she was 11 and so she kind of stayed there permanently Um, and so yeah, and so we believe she says that the house was a part of 18 lots that were owned by Grandfather Zeigel, which I believe would be Conrad Zeigel, if I understand, if I figured out the lineage correctly. So, in her, um, let me pull it up. Um, so, in her memoir, she writes, so it's a lot of just her talking about the types of food that she was uh, really liked. Um, and so she really liked these uh, like dried fruits that they would have on their table. And so she wrote, there was always a dish of fried fruit for the table if there was no fresh stewed in the season. Sometimes I was sent to, up to the attic to bring some down. I did not relish these trips. The attic was extremely spooky to me. There were too many dark corners and little closets. Just about everyone believed in ghosts. And Mr. Shock the man who lived in the house before us had hung himself. So for a long time, even the tramps wouldn't go near the barn where it had happened. And I had, uh, excuse me. And I had an uncomfortable feeling that the spirits might be hovering around the attic and I would get the fruit and make a very quick exit. <laughs> so that was pretty, wow. pretty uh, interesting to find. Yeah. And we have had experiences in the attic. So mm-hmm. I- I caught a really weird EVP in the attic uh, the last time we were there, and uh, it said fire. I was wondering if there was ever a fire there. I'm like, why did it say fire? But what the funny thing is they, they were having a big fire down the street, remember? Yeah. I mean, and when you said that, I was like looking through my notes, and I couldn't find anything about a fire. But, yeah, down the street they were having this massive bonfire. I, I literally I came out of one of like my sessions in the house and looked and I literally thought the house was on fire. Like the flames were like above this house. It was massive. (laughs) It was huge. The neighbor, remember the neighbor had came up and he was like, yeah, we have this big bonfire. I'm like, yeah, well, the fire is not really supposed to be above the house. I don't think, but you know, know, it, it, no one seemed to be hurt. So (laughs) yeah. But the interesting thing about the EVP was there was no one in the attic when it happened. Um, oh. I just had a static recorder going and you just, all of a sudden you hear this voice. It's just like a whispery voice. Like, uh, it sounds like a man's voice almost, but it just says like fire. And I'm like, that's freaking weird. There's no one in the, there's no one in the attic at all. Um, I, like I said, I play static recorders throughout the whole house and, um, I, I'm catching some very, very interesting stuff. I think maybe you were in the house with me the one time. I uh, remember when I, I kept asking, can you hear me? I think that was me and you in the house. Mm-hmm. I kept saying, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I was kind of doing it kind of to, to be annoying. Mm-hmm. And um, we did get a response on one of the recorders in the other room, though. And it said, mm-hmm. can you hear me? 
real whispery, like, can you hear me? And I'm like, whoa, it's responding. It's intelligently responding to what, you know, what I was asking. Almost like I was, you know, antagonizing it to do it, but it did it. It said, you know, can you hear me? Which was, was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It definitely feels uh, very intelligent and very like almost playful. Like it, see, like uh, when we were in the basement, right when I heard that, that whisper, um, one of the other investigators had uh, the EMF meter and it was kind of, like a, like I, I don't know how to describe it. Besides, like he would walk and then it would go off, like, and then it would go away, and then he would kind of like chase it, and it would keep going off, you know, like, and it yeah. felt like it was like a, a little kid playing tag, like it was a really weird kind of thing, but it was all in kind of this, like one area around the stairs, but it was real interesting. Yeah, I mean. Uh, after we left that investigation, um, I did get an email from the owner, and the owner was like, "Man, you guys really stirred them up because the uh, the construction workers were experiencing stuff like all week long, mm. it, like the whatever's in the house is like talking to them." I don't think there's any. It doesn't feel like there's anything bad there, but it's definitely uh, intelligently interacting with us, which is which is freaking amazing because you don't really, like I said, you don't get that in a whole lot of cases. I mean, there's only been a few cases that I've been involved with that there was that much intelligent response, you know, where you, you're actually hearing things out loud responding to you and you don't really get that a whole lot of times. So, so to have it happen is, you know, as much as we've been having it happen, it's, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, even, even Tom, when Tom was in that the bell room, you know, he was asking, do you use those steps? You know, those little narrow steps that go down right there. And uh, he didn't hear it at the time, but he did catch a voice in the attic. And it said, sometimes, he said, do you use these stairs? And uh, when it was a kitchen and a voice pops out, it sounds like a female and says, sometimes, like sometimes. But he didn't hear it because I don't think he might not have been plugged in. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely responded to him. So... Uh- uh, you, you know, I don't know if you've ever, I know this is probably like, this is your first investigate, well, really your first case you've ever been on, mm-hmm. but um, what do you think so far of, of the activity? Do you think it's, you know, everything that you've really been looking for? I mean, I think you can hear it uh, in my voice uh, when you, when I hear that whisper. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I th- I'm, I'm super, yeah, I'm very excited about it. I mean, I think this has definitely been an experience of um, uh, it, it's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, I don't, you know what I mean? Like it, it getting just the experience of doing the research, going to the house, digging deep into it, and then just like learning the, you know, the just learning the ropes of it. I, I'm I've I've been absolutely thrilled. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome that finally got somebody that really likes to dig into the uh, research because not a lot of people like to dig into the research of uh, of the places. You know, they're just like, man, I don't want to dig into the research. It sucks. Nobody wants to do it. But finally found somebody that really wants to do it, you know? Yeah, no, I love it. I'm a, I've, oh, I'm a nerd. So this is, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I've always been a history nerd. So this is uh, uh, pretty fun for me, particularly because it's like, 
um, it's not just kind of like reading a book on history. It's like you're figuring out, you know, the mystery yourself. So like these stories that we're putting that that I'm figuring out about this house are are you know a new story you know what i mean this is kind of like we're kind of putting this adding to you know this history has been like scattered throughout the archives and we're kind of bringing it together and bringing it to light which is super exciting in its own right to me yeah you're kind of like bringing the dead back to life almost you know yeah basically yeah, I mean, this is stuff that's, you know, no one's, once, you know, history's gone, if it's nothing really that was significant, people just forget about it like it never happened, you know? <clears throat> and these were people's lives, and uh, I, I thought the memoirs were, were freaking awesome. Mm. I was just like, wow. You know, it's just documenting this girl's daily routine, and she thought the house was haunted way back then, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't think we ever proved that the guy had – I don't think you ever found out that the, there was someone that actually hung himself, right? No, I wasn't able to find that. But so what I was able to find is that the previous owner was a shock. Um, it was owned by John uh, John Shock, um, John G. Shock, uh, and his son actually killed himself, uh, not at the house, but killed himself actually in London. Um, and his name was John uh, Loomis Shock. And so he was uh, training to be an officer in the Navy um, while in London. And um, the articles say, like, he had a really bad illness and also was, like, overstudied and was really stressed out and um, killed himself with a gun in his apartment. Um, and his roommate found him uh, and... And yeah, and so there is a, you know, a death in the family, and that would have happened around, I think that happened in, oh, 1885, which is the year that um, that Barbara, the woman who wrote the uh, memoir, moved into the house. So it kind of like um, lines up, I feel like, a little bit uh, around like it, it, it just, it just kind of lines up that she would hear about the previous owner. Um, killing her himself or the son, someone, someone, someone from the previous owner's family killing themselves and kind of wrap it up in the house. But I mean, I still think there's a, a real, you know, even if that didn't happen in the house, that family, you know, the, the, the tragedy that they experienced, I think could definitely be lingering in that house, you know, or, or, uh, you know, just that, that trauma could be lingering. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those houses where, like, <clears throat> you know, you're experiencing all the stuff, but you you want more. You know what I mean? You want to see that full-bodied apparition or, or you know, you want to see something really spectacular happen. Uh, we haven't had that yet, which I'm surprised we haven't seen, you know, something like a light anomaly or I haven't even seen anything on video and I've been going over the video like rigorously, like every night I'm still trying to get caught up from the other, you know, the other investigations and it's just so much video to go over and um, man, I haven't caught anything. I'm really surprised. Even the, like the ghost dog, you know, I'd like yeah. to, <laughs> I'd like to catch that on video or something, maybe some glowing eyes from a dog or something. I don't, you know, we haven't, I haven't caught anything though. And, uh, this case reminds me of the Landon house, um, just the oldness of the house. I mean, Landon house was very old mm -hmm. and, uh, 
They said it was built in 1754. But this house reminds me of Landon House, the, the amount of intelligent uh, activity that, that's happening in, in that house is just like Landon House. And Landon House, would, it would respond to you by whistling, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the whistling was amazing. And, uh, yeah, this is uh, – we have Don in the chat room, uh, Nick. This is uh, Don. He, he founded Haps with me. Um, oh, excellent. Yeah, Don's in the chat room, which he's going to be joining us on investigations too. So uh, he's been pretty busy with work and stuff like that, but uh, he will be uh, back investigating with us too. So um, he is one. Of, he is the founder of of Haps with me. So we started this together, um, like back in two thousand seven, two thousand six, somewhere around there. It's been a long time, but uh, every you know. Stuff happens. Everybody's got their own life, so you know things happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, Don Don was uh, actually investigated uh, Landon House with us many times, and we had had our children there, and uh, they used to do like a haunted house there and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, this this Marietta case is just like Landon House. I mean, it's old. It's just just one of those places where the activity is is incredible. I'm surprised we haven't had anything happen. Visual, you know, like mm-hmm. light. We used to see light anomalies at Landon House, like very. I, I seen one the size of a basketball one time. It was small, and then it, it created itself like the size of a basketball, and then just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, it was freaking amazing, and I and I, I wasn't the only one that seen it. There was other. There was like five other people that had seen it with me, and they were all like, "What the hell was that?" You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "I don't know what the hell that was, but it ain't normal." I knew that, you know. Um, and I'm waiting for that to happen. You know, one of these times in that house is going to happen. Um, <clears throat> but they are looking to sell it, I think, by the end of the month. So, man, it sucks. I wish I had the money to buy it because I would buy that place. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that place would be mine, Nick. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. And I would be coming over every weekend. <laughs> We'd be camping out in that place, dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just some of the stuff that I've, I've had happen. Uh, like the first time I went there, none of you guys had even showed up yet. I was in there by myself, and I heard a really loud crash upstairs. And I went up, investigated. Nothing was fell over or or anything. And I didn't even know. Actually, when we first investigated, they had drywall in front of the attic steps. I didn't even know there was an attic up there. Mm-hmm. And I, I seen. I just happened to see a hinge, and I'm like, hey, there's, there's a door right there. And I, I moved the drywall, and there was a door there, and I'm like, Hey, there's a freaking door here. I open it up. I'm like, oh my god! It goes up to the attic, and uh, I think I uh, sent uh, Carl's son up there as a you know gopher. <laughs> I was like, you go first, gal. <laughs> it's He's a like, thanks a lot, John. <laughs> it's a creepy attic. I'm not that it attic is. is super creepy. It is. Yeah, I, I, I want to focus a little more up there next time we go there. Yeah, and uh, I believe it was. I believe it was Tom had an experience up there. So he was, um, so he wanted to just do like a solo, uh, you know, and, and if you have him on, he'd probably tell the story better, but, but he wanted to just like camp up, camp out up there and just kind of like just by himself and see what he could get. And so me and Carl were down watching the um, monitors and unfortunately, like, the monitors that we were looking were only like the first two floors. And then we had like another set for the third up for up in the attic. Um, and 
you know, he's gone for maybe like 10, 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden we just hear just like, boom, 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 like him running down the stairs. And we're like, what's, what's up? He's like, I'm not going back up there alone. Uh, he said that he started recording and the mic got pushed down and we're like, well, let's go back up. And so we went back up. I don't think we got anything um, while we were there, but um, that was just another like interesting story of that addict that I thought was, you know, like the, that was, I think the only time that someone has been touched or something's been moved in any way that I've heard of uh, anyone's experiences so far. Yeah, I know. Um, in, in a couple cases that I've done, actually a lot of cases that I've done, um, there have been times where, you know, you, you your recorder sitting there and it'll sound like something actually flicks the recorder, but like their finger, like it'll be this real, like, like that in the recorder <clears throat> and we all know digital recorders they don't have any moving parts in them to be making that kind of noise but it makes this really high like tick like and sometimes when you're holding your recorder in your hand you can feel it almost like it's like a static like pop on the recorder and you're like why did that how the hell did that happen and that kind of reminded me of what you know happened with him mm. when he said it, it moved down because I've had it happen to my recorder where it, it it hit it so hard that it felt like the recorder moved in my hand. Like I felt it in my hand. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense why that happened. You know, I would turn the light on look at the recorder. I'm like, there's no moving parts in this damn digital recorder. It's digital, you know? Mm. And it just doesn't make any sense of why it happened. You know, I'm just like, why the hell did that happen? I haven't had it happen yet in there, Mm. but you know, he had the recorder pushed down, which is is interesting, you know? Mm. No, I know, yeah. I know. A couple times, you know, we we. I think you were with me when we heard the growling noise too, right? Wasn't that you with me? Mm, I don't, I don't think so. Actually, I I was with you when I heard the the like pst noise. Yeah, yeah. I was in the bell room, right? Yeah, yeah. We heard like someone going like, pst, pst. yeah. Did it like two or three times. Mm-hmm. We were like, what the hell was that? And you're like, what this? I heard somebody go like. Pst. Yeah, yeah. We we all heard it too. Carl heard it too. Yeah, well, you were whistling and me and Carl thought it was you. Like, you made that noise. And then we realized, we were like, wait, was that you? And you're like, no, that wasn't me. And so then, like, it was a, yeah, it was pretty, yeah. I don't, I remember you talking about the growl. I don't think I was there for the growl. Yeah, I definitely heard a growl. It was was pretty loud because somebody said, man, that was your stomach. I was like, no, that wasn't my stomach. That was a growl. It was like, I'm like, whoa. And they're like, that wasn't your stomach? I'm like, no. I think Tom was with me. Mm. They're like, no, nah, that wasn't my stomach. He goes, you sure? And I'm like, I was, I'm positive. That definitely wasn't my stomach. Um, that was a growl. And uh, I, like, I've heard that in a lot of case, other cases, too, like a growling noise and stuff like that. Actually, me and Don were on a case one time and heard what sounded like a dog under the table. We were both looked under the table like, what the hell? That was in uh, New Cumberland. Mm-hmm. You know, and and a freaking door flew off of the wall and um, hit the client in the head, knocked her to the ground, spilled coffee all over us. And you know, it, it was wild, man. This all happened in a matter of like seconds. Like the door came off, hit her. Uh, we picked the door off of it, you know, threw it, threw it back off. And then we started hearing growling noises under the table. Wow. And, uh, and actually boxes started to shake in the corner. And, and me and Diane looking at her like, what the hell? I was like, what the hell is going on? We were like looking at each other like, what the, what the hell is going on, man? And we we're like, 
And we were just like interviewing them. We weren't even investigating. We were just doing oh. like a preliminary investigation and talking with the client. And all this started to happen. We're like, holy shit, this is going to be good. You know, <laughs> this is going to be good. It's going to be real good. Um, and it was, man. We had a lot of stuff happen. And, you know, it, it was. we had a bunch of new people that we were starting out with. And we basically told them, like, not all these cases are going to be like this because we've already experienced a ton of stuff. And it's sort of like you guys. You guys are all new. And, um, you know, you don't get into a whole lot of cases where you experience this kind of stuff right away. You know, I mean, a lot of times you're sitting in the dark and it's just like freaking quiet, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, you're fighting not to fall asleep, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys have already experienced some stuff that, you know, not a whole lot of people experience, you know, uh, me and me and Don actually investigated with a husband and wife that they never experienced anything and we were experiencing all kinds of crap. I'm like, are they even hearing what we're hearing? Like, are they, they got hearing aids or what? <laughs> you know what I mean? We're just like, what the hell? They're not experiencing anything, but we're catching all kinds of crap. You know, mm. it's crazy. Um, I mean, I think there's a interest. There's like a weird part of it where you have to be somewhat open to it. Like it's, I think it's very easy to convince yourself that what you're hearing is not weird. Right. Like, yeah, like I could like if I re- if I sat down and was like, OK, that whisper could have what could that whisper have been like a shoe? You know what I mean? Like I could go on all day and make a list of things, but it's like my gut told me that was a whisper. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. And so like there's there's a weird thing of just like I feel like you have to just like open yourself up a little bit, you know, and that's like where I think there's like a little of that like spirituality part comes in where you just have to like, you know, if you close yourself off, you're not going to experience anything. But once you open yourself up, like it, weird things will will start happening. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I, we first started doing it. Me and Don first started doing it, and um, we started to experience things right away. And we were both really kind of skeptical mm-hmm. about it, you know. And um, mm-hmm. our first case, I mean, was like <laughs> we were like, I can't believe all this is happening. Like this is our first case together. And the amount of stuff that we were experiencing was like phenomenal. We're like, mm-hmm. I can't believe this is really happening, you know? And the Marietta case reminds me of that case too, because it's just so much stuff that we had had happen. It, like I said, there's only like a few cases that we have had that are like this case. And I think, you know, the more you investigate this place, uh, this Marietta case, the more you're going to, you're going to unravel, you know? Mm-hmm. Just because it likes to communicate, it likes to to interact with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, even so, I th- like when you're kind of talking about like uh, opening, uh, like so. I'll just uh, real quick. It made me think of what you were just saying. Like, made me think of a synchronicity that happened while I was doing research. So one of the days I went to um, the uh, the Lancaster County um, Historical Society, and I was like doing um, some research and I was kind of like just hitting dead ends. I was like, I'm just looking for more information about John Schalk and uh, Amos uh, Zeigler. Uh, and I'm like, I'm just not finding anything. I'm trying to confirm if there was someone who died in the house. And I'm like, I'm just, not, nothing's coming up. And then I was like, you know what? I'll go over to the Lancaster library on my way back home. They have like a research room. I'll just check a couple books to see if I can find anything. And so I'm looking around 
Um, I checked a couple books, nothing, dead ends. Um, and so I'm like walking out of the little room that they have. And I see out of the corner of my eye, this book, and it catches my eye. And it's called The Diary of Peter C. Hiller. And Hiller is half of my last name. And yeah. so I'm like, who's this Hiller guy? Like, I don't know anyone. You know what I mean? I I knew that we may have some deep, 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 deep roots in like, you know, like my, you know, great, 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 great grandfather, great, 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 great uncle. Um, and so I look at, so I'm like, I have to check this out. So I'm like looking through it and it's like a pretty standard, like, uh, you know, um, you know, diary where it's like, this day I sent, you know, seven tomatoes to my neighbor. This day I went to church. This day I, you know, whatever, did the corn, you know, it's pretty standard stuff. And I was like, at my wits end, I spent like my, like almost half my day, like doing this research, finding nothing. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see if I can find like Zeigler or, uh, you know, or, um, or the other guy in this book. And so I go to the back, I look up like the names. Don't you know it? He knew shock. He went to church with shock and he sold uh, Amos Seigler like like eight potatoes or something, and I was just like, "That's such <laughs> wow. a weird synchronicity, right?" Like it yeah. was such like a weird thing, and I don't know. I, it it's like stuck with me of like the deeper you get into this stuff, it just gets weirder. Yeah, it's you know what, man? It's like you know, we've had cases where it's come around three three hundred sixty degrees. Like we started, we didn't really know anything about the case. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we start getting things in the case. We're getting voices. We're picking up names. We're getting this. We're getting that. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're on a, we're doing a TV show. You know, mm. I mean, we, we had just started. And we're, we're on a TV show doing The Haunted on Animal Planet. And they, have, they actually helped us research, you know, the people that lived in the house, the, you know, the family members. And we actually met the family members of the person oh, who wow. passed away. And uh, I tell you, man, it was a surreal moment to meet these people, knowing that they lived in there. They're they're all old people now. They lived in that house. Their father passed away. Didn't pass away in that house, but he passed away in a home. But he came back to haunt the house. Like he mm. he wanted to die in the house. He was set on dying in the house. And the brother, you know, said, "Look." We, we don't have anybody to take care of him. We have to forcibly remove him from the house. And they sent him, uh, you know, hospice and they forci forcibly removed him. And, and he literally went out kicking and screaming. They, I mean, this is how it went down. And uh, what's really weird is what was really weird about this case, Nick, was that, you know, they had a dog and the dog, that's how we got around. The dog was affected by the paranormal activity. And, uh, but the dogs, they named the dog Leroy, right? So mm -hmm. they, they, they have no history of the house. They have no idea who Leroy is. Well, come to find out, Leroy was the brother of the guy that, you know, he had his brother forcibly removed from the house, and that was his brother's name was Leroy. And they named their dog Leroy. Now, what are the, what are the you know, coincidence, mm -hmm. coincidences of that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How in the hell did they come up with a name of Leroy for a dog? That's an odd name for a dog, right? Like Leroy, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, you get a dog, his name Spud or Spike or, you know, Buddy or something like that. This, they named their dog Leroy, you know, 
And uh, I'm probably going to get her on here to talk about that case because that was a really interesting case. Uh, her name was Laura. Mm-hmm. And uh, we investigated that case for a couple years. Um, and uh, it was never a dull moment. Every time we went there, we had a lot of things happen. That's we, we you know, we heard disembodied voices out loud, just like we're doing in, in the Marietta case. It was mm-hmm. it was highly intelligent. It was the first case where I ever heard footsteps in a house, too. Like it was so pronounced. We're upstairs and we hear boots walking through from the front door to the kitchen and then a chair, you know, Don heard a chair slide out. I was like, dude, I heard a chair slide out. But we had a camera going. We didn't catch anything on the IR cameras. I mean, nothing. But there was distinct boots that went from the front door through the dining room, which we had cameras on the front door, the dining room, and the kitchen, and we didn't catch anything on infrared whatsoever. But we heard it, and we heard the chair move, and the chair did move, but we couldn't see it because it was under the counter. There was a counter that kind of came out, and we didn't catch it. I was like, damn it, man. We didn't catch it because it's under the counter. But it moves. You hear it. It slides across the floor, but you just can't see it. And uh, we, we we captured so much stuff in the house. And this, like I said, there's like these certain cases that, man, they're like, they remind me of this Marietta case, which is – yeah. It's phenomenal. I, I wish we had more time. You know what I mean? I, we're we're going to run out of time trying to I'm, – I'm very thankful that she's letting us, you know, mm-hmm. go back to the location because not a lot of clients do that. You know, I try to keep a good relationship with our clients so we can continue to investigate the phenomena that's going on and maybe come up with an answer one day. You know, we might be able to come up with one. I don't know if we ever will, but – you know, if, if you don't keep up this rapport with your clients, you know, and treat them like they're your own family, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, you can't just go in and do one investigation and think you're going to come up with some, with something, you know, mm-hmm. this is how it is. I mean, like I said, we've been doing this 20, I've known this 20 years almost. And, you know, you just can't go into a case thinking, you're going to solve it with, with one investigation. You might go one investigation and not catch anything. Mm-hmm. You might not even hear anything. You might, you know, you be there falling asleep and not hear anything and not catch anything or, you know, and then the next case you come back and boom, it's off the hook. You know, it's, there's stuff moving around. There's, you're hearing voices, you know, lights turning on and off. And uh, that's what I'm, you know, I hope to get you guys into to something like that, which, which I've experienced in some of the places that we've investigated is, uh, to get into some of the serious phenomena. Um, like I said, I don't believe in the demonic crap. Um, even though we've been in cases where there's been stuff that has scared the hell out of you. You know, I mean, I've been there. I've, I've booked it out of there. You know, I've only booked it out of the house one time, and it, it startled the hell out of me. Um, like I said, when, you know, you get a voice right in your ear when you're using the bathroom. That's pretty creepy. You know, <laughs> I, and it sounded like like the if you ever watched The Exorcist, it sounded like that little girl when she was possessed. You know, I was like, oh my god, I could not wait to get out of that bathroom. <laughs> I freak, I freaking jumped down like a whole flight of stairs, man. And Carl was like, where are you going? I was like, outside. I went out, went out to my car and sat there for like twenty minutes. Like, oh my god, I can't believe that just happened. Like, I've never had that happen before. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, for that to happen, it was freaky. 
And we're going to actually, we're going to be going back to that case, Nick, which uh, I hope all you guys can, can make it out there. It's, yeah. um, it's in Newcastle, uh, Pennsylvania. So it's, it's a drive. It's four and a half hours, but uh, it's an active place. You know, we did that. Ghost Nation was there with me, uh, with Jason Hoss and them, and uh, mm-hmm. Jason, Steve, and uh, Tango and Sherry. And they actually did a, a, a show on that, on our case in that house. And um, man, I'm telling you, it's active. It's really, you, you never know what's going to happen in there, you know? And, and you hear disembodied voices in there too, footsteps and bangs. And we've heard crazy bangs in there. And Carl actually got, Something pulled Carl. He was sitting in a chair, and the uh, the chair slid out with him on it. He was sitting on the chair, and the chair pulled back away from the table, and uh, he was freaked out. He's like, "Oh my god, dude!" I mean, his eyes. You know, Carl. You know how Carl is. He's the mm. biggest skeptic you ever you know gonna want to meet. I mean, he actually calls himself Buzzkill. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> He's like, nothing's gonna happen. Buzzkill's here, and. Uh, <laughs> That was one case that totally blew his mind away. He was like, I, I never thought I'd be in a case like this. I was like, we, I said, we've been in some really creepy ass cases, man. Like, mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of stuff happen with him that I never had happen with other people. Like, like with Don, like me and Don experienced a lot of things, but I, you know, we always wanted like a door to open up or something on its own, which a door did shut on Don one time. And that was in the first investigation we ever did together. Wow. He comes jetting out of the house. He's like, dude, door just slammed in there and uh that that house was crazy active man i mean uh, the client got smacked in there and they they bailed out they got out of there they they just they didn't even pay any more payments when the house they just left and uh, they took all their stuff when we went in there the house was empty so i mean that was it was crazy but uh did you find any more information out on on anything else in there like any kind of deaths or anything like that um, I mean, there were like, so I believe like uh, there were some older deaths, like maybe like uh, Conrad probably died in there. Conrad Ziegel, who built it, um, like just because they didn't have anywhere else to go, you know, that's just how it was. I wonder if the they're buried in that little cemetery down the street there. So, uh, yes, some of them are. Um, they are. Yes. So, nice. uh, I won't say the name of that cemetery just because if I, I just, you know, I'm trying to be sensitive yeah, to like location gotcha, yep. and it's a pretty Great. famous one, but um, yes, there, some of these folks are buried there. Um, yeah. So it's, oh, awesome. it's, we'll have to use that in the investigation. Yeah. I go down to the cemetery and speak up the names, you know, I, I think there's, there's something, there's something that whole town seems a little like, interesting to me because of like that cemetery and and there's some local legends about that cemetery um but i mean when we've been investigating there's been so many neighbors that just come up and are like what are you guys doing and we tell them like we're investigating the house and they're like oh here's eight thousand stories of what i heard you know and remarkably similar stories you know like uh the dog is a constant you know everyone has seen this black dog Um, yeah black german shepherd yeah um, and I, I wrote down one because I thought it was really interesting. One of the previous owners had a little beagle, and there's like, and it refused to go into one of the back rooms. Um, it just like any, it would just uh, supposedly 
like this is what one of the neighbors was, were telling us that it would just like bark at that like room anytime I was near it. And one time a marble fell off her bookshelf, landed on the ground and rolled up the hill. It, yeah. It rolled down the hallway, right? All the way down the yeah, hallway. But like yeah. up, I guess it was like, I guess the floor was cra- like slanted. That's how it was described to me, but either way yeah. it rolled pretty, it fell off and rolled. Yeah. Um, the floor was slanted in and it rolled uphill. Yeah. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. And uh, that's right by the bell room, actually. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is right next to the bell room. And that's where they said they were seeing that black German shepherd was mm. at the end of that hallway right there. The I think the man said that, remember the neighbor that came up to us and said mm. that uh, he wanted to investigate it. And uh, he said that the former owners that lived there 10 years prior I think he said the house sat there for 10 years empty. Yeah, so pretty much. The, I think they yeah. were they were they were Asian that lived there, I believe. He said they were Asian. And you did track a name that was like Asian there, right? Yeah, so so the last owners that I were able to find before it was kind of like sitting empty and kind of like just a bunch of banks owned it was uh Raymond Cooper and Sandra Cooper. Um and they owned it till, uh, well, Sandra owned it till uh, two thousand and three. Um, Raymond died. Um, oh, I don't have my notes right here when when he died, but he died earlier. Um, and Sandra is actually the one that I believe had the beagle, um, according <laughs> to the neighbor. That's what he said. Yeah, true. Was Sandra. Yeah, true. Um, and I believe, um, and I actually I don't know their ethnicities, but I do know. Um, that there was uh, a Richard S. Daveler who lived there before the Coopers. Um, or I'm sorry, John John Daveler. Richard is his father. John Daveler is a uh, Korean War vet, um, and his wife's name was uh, oh, where is it? Um, oh, uh, Harku Harkuto. I want to say. H a r u k o haruko haruko yeah haruko I, I think that's what he said too yeah yeah and I looked it up and it's uh, a Japanese and Korean name and origin and he served in Korea um, and so I I'm assuming those two things may be connected you know I don't know if he met her there or whatever maybe that's a leap but I think yeah um, but he was interesting he was a part of the um, he was an instructor in the atomic biological and like chemical warfare. Um, and he was actually at the atomic bomb test in Yucca flats, uh, Vermont in 1953, wow. um, which is pretty interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. And they have like a, I, and what's interesting too, I've noticed about this house is that like, there's a really long history of just like veterans living there. Like a lot of folks, like all of the shocks were soldiers, um, and like, uh, and then the Daveler was a soldier too, which I just thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, Marietta and all that stuff right there, you know, they, during the civil war, they burned that bridge down that went from, mm-hmm. you know, they crossed over the river so the Confederates wouldn't, you know, invade, uh, Marietta and all that. That's what's is pretty wild. You know I mean? That, I think the old bridge pilings are still out there in the river. You can still see them. 
I think they meant to burn like a, a, a section of the bridge down and they wind up burning the whole bridge down. <laughs> yeah, it was from my my understanding, it was like a last ditch effort because the Confederacy was coming. And I believe like seven it wasn't even soldiers, it was like seven townspeople actually died when they like burned it because it was they were basically doing like a suicide mission to like just tear down the bridge. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Wow. Yeah, Marietta is an old town. Um, mm-hmm. I actually did an investigation in Marietta uh, a long time ago called uh, – it was a tavern, actually. It's still there, um, it's Shanks Tavern. And mm-hmm. that's literally right around the corner from <laughs> from that house, literally right around the corner, along with um, Halderman Mansion, which I've investigated Halderman Mansion, too. Halderman Mansion, if you look at Halderman Mansion, it looks almost identical to the front of the house that we're investigating. Mm. I, I, I don't know if you ever looked at, you know, seen the Halderman Mansion, which is pretty, pretty haunted. We had, we captured a lot of stuff in the Halderman Mansion and we, we investigated one time. And, uh, man, we, we captured a lot of stuff. And, and Don actually heard a female voice in the attic, like with this real southern accent. And he captured it on a recorder. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. It's it's loud too, and it's definitely none. It's definitely no one that was with us because this woman had an extremely southern accent. I mean, really southern. You're like, wow, man. Like, I mean, she was like, I can't remember exactly what the hell she said. I have it on recording. I have to play it one time, but it was freaking awesome. Um, but Marietta is so. Such an old town. I wish we had more access to more locations in Marietta because, I you know, there's a there's a haunted restaurant in Marietta too. You know, so mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's crazy. And that whole area, kind of from like Columbia up to Marietta, is like a like a weird like high strange area. You know, yeah, like you know, Chickies Rocks. Uh, or Chickie's Peak, no, Chickie's Rocks. I always mess it up. Chickie's Rocks, yeah. Like, that whole area has, like, a million stories, right? Like, well, it has, like, Bigfoot, like, well, yeah, like or, uh, supposedly, what, what do you call it, the Albatwitch or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually did a uh, conference at the Albatwitch. Me and Carl, we did a, we, we did a lecture there at the Albatwitch oh, nice. Festival. Yeah, it was uh, probably about six years ago we did a, we did a uh, lecture there about some of the stuff that we captured and, uh, it was pretty awesome, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they supposedly, I think, uh, had seen uh, this Bigfoot-looking creature there or something at in, in, uh, at that location. Yeah, it's like an old legend of these, like, like four foot tall, basic, like. Bigfoot yeah, they're not like your typical Bigfoot, you right? Know? Yeah, and so like apparently, like the legend goes that they were there for a while, and then in like the eighteen hundreds, they got they were killed out and they went extinct but there's still current like sightings i think the last one um that i know of was like maybe like 20 maybe like 2006 maybe yeah the sighting that yeah. recent uh according to so i have my beyond seventh gate by timothy renner which is like a local uh stories and this is actually he said there's a report actually near Red Lion in 2008. Really? Uh, of the, little, the little ones? Yeah. The Albatwitch. 
Yeah. He says, a woman was driving about two miles outside of Red Lion. She noticed something running across a field, pulling over to observe the oddity. She saw a four-foot-tall bipedal creature covered in sparse dark gray hair. Hmm. So, yeah. That's interesting. And there's a bunch of other interesting stories, too, of like, there's supposedly this one story that I find fascinating in uh, at Chickie's Rock where it's like a um, – so these folks are like having like a, like a uh, picnic out in Chickie's Rocks, which was pretty popular at the time. This was back in like the 40s. Um, and they're – and these two folks get in their car and start leaving, and they claim to see – oh, before they left their car, actually. They got in their car, but before they left – they saw a 16 foot high, they saw something 16 feet high and very thin. Uh, the being either had no arms and legs or was obscured by the trees. It's difficult to tell uh, from the description. However, she did recall strange details about the creature. The giant was wrapped like a mummy with three knives protruding from each side of its horrid head, which I think is like a weird, cause you, like just a weird thing to. So slender man or something. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I mean, and this is reported in, you know, 1946. So this is like a really 1946. Yes. This is way pre slender man, which that's why I was like, it's such a, like, that's what's so fascinating to me about like diving into history and diving into folklore of places is like the stories start like sounding the same. The more you find them, you know what I mean? No matter what time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, but it's a very weird area, I think. Of yeah, it is because I've had I've had investigations in Colombia, Marietta, and you know, one of the cases that I did in Colombia, it was a new house. It wasn't like it was an old house. This house was like a million dollar house. It was beautiful, very big. And the experiences they were having in there were freaking off the charts, man. Like they were hearing disembodied voices and Actually, in the one case, uh, Don can attest to that. The front door opened up on its own after I locked it. I had left out and went to the store to get you know drinks for people, and you know I shut the door and locked it because Don and another investigator were in there. And Don said, "Dude, the front door opened up on its own," which was weird because right before the investigation, I was waiting on Don and uh, you know another investigator, and I heard someone at the front door like trying to get in the front door, and. Uh, I went open the door. There was no one there. I'm like, yeah, and the other investigators with me, his name was John. He was like, dude, there was someone at the door. I was like, you heard that, right? Like the door was rattling. The handle was rattling. Someone was trying to get in. I thought maybe we had locked the uh, screen door. And uh, yeah, it was, there was no one there. And then Don, you know, the door opened up on Don, like probably about halfway. And uh, we did capture it on recorder, but we didn't capture it on video, unfortunately. Um, who knows, you know? So Big Chief has a um, a question in the uh, the chat room. It says, "Do you think an alien that dies on Earth could haunt?" It's possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who knows? I mean, this stuff is this this phenomena is is totally unpredictable. We have no idea, you know, what it's what capabilities are after you die. Uh, I do believe that you know when you die, that the subconscious mind does live on. Because there's something out there that's talking to us that we can't really understand. We're, you know, we're, we're experiencing these disembodied voices, but you know what? 
there's not you don't have a body anymore. So how are you speaking? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That think about it, Nick. Like you, mm-hmm. we're hearing disembodied voices, but there's no body anymore. There's no vocal cords. There's you know, there's something, something's happening that we are not able to understand. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. we're not we're not ready to understand it. You know, we're not scientifically ready to understand it. That's why scientists don't believe in ghosts. They said there are no ghosts. But if you look up uh, in a dictionary about ghosts, it says there's no ghosts. Wikipedia, there are no ghosts. But look up demons. There's a list of stuff that runs down from demons that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's you know, the devil and this and that. And this, but there are no ghosts. Like, come on. You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think all of these paranormal phenomenon ghosts cryptids ufos like all of these things i don't think they're nearly as separate as we like to think it is you know what i mean like sometimes like ghost hunters will be like i only do ghosts you know ufo hunters i'm like i only do ufos bigfoot hunters are like i only do bigfoot and all the rest of y'all are crazy yeah like instead like i think there's there's i love it all oh yeah and there's a lot of ufo and uh, first contact, uh, or not necessarily first, but you know, uh, like folks who've interacted or been abducted, um, and it, they describe it as like um, as like a mental phenomenon. Like it, it it's like it's like um, like they're like communicating tele, yeah, like it's, they're communicating telepathically. A lot of that, and there's even some that are rare, but not infrequent to not note of folks being abducted and their dead loved ones are on board, you know? And so like how, you know, so what are like the aliens like mimicking that? Do they know about our ideas about ghosts? Like I, I think there's, it's not so much even just like things from another planet. Like I think there's just, there's like a another dimension or something. Yeah. It's something weirder. You know what I mean? That's what I've been saying. Yeah. That's what I've been saying. Like, there's a case we did in Ephrata, right? We caught a black mass creating itself, and then it just disappears from nothing. Like, something is creating itself. It's creating its own mass from nothing. That's not even scientifically possible. But this thing, and we captured it on video, which is awesome. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a video, but it creates itself from nothing. It's forming a figure, and then just it's gone in the snap of a finger. It dissipates. It's gone. And it does it over a 15-minute period of appearing, reappearing, disappearing, reappearing. I mean, this stuff, it's amazing. It's the best video I've ever caught in all the years I've been investigating. It's the only video I've caught, you know, of something that there's a phenomenon that you cannot explain scientifically what the hell is going on there at all and it kind of makes you wonder is that a ghost or is that some kind of alien or is that some kind of interdimensional being of something there's something in that house for some reason too the family gets sick all the time the kids are always sick the mother's always sick it's really weird what 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 happens there and um I'm actually trying to get back to that case. I, I, I talk to her all the time. Activity still happens. They still hear voices. 
I was touched in that investigation. I seen strange light anomalies in that investigation, which were unbelievable. You know, I mean, you just don't see stuff like that. You know, balls of light uh-huh. flying across the ceiling, changing colors and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's weird, man. It's really weird. How have you, I mean, you've been doing this for what, 20 plus years. Like, have yep. you, how many cases, if any at all, have you investigated or even heard of where there was some sort of like overlap between like another phenomenon? Like, like, like you know, of- like if, like if like a house is haunted, but the family also claims to have seen a Bigfoot or an alien or a UFO or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, has there been well, like anything like that? I'm um, just curious. Yeah, I've had, well, you know what I did, what I was starting to do um, was uh, ask our clients, um, you know, if they had ever experienced a, a UFO event, have they ever seen one? And you know what? This is no lie. Probably about 80% of our clients mm-hmm. over the years had experienced a pair, uh, a, uh, a UFO event. They had seen a UFO. Mm-hmm. At least 80% of them. And I asked one guy this in an investigation. I said, you know, I, he thought I was being a smart ass with him. You know, I was like, because he was telling me, he was telling me the experiences that they have. He was actually living in a, a church rectory. And he's like, you know, telling me all the experience. And I said, can I ask you a question? And he's like, yeah. I was like, have you ever experienced uh, any kind of UFO event? And he goes, are you being smart with me? I'm like, no, I'm asking you a serious question. Like, have you ever seen a UFO or, you know, experienced, you know, any kind of UFO event? He's like, it's weird that you say that because me and my wife seen a UFO recently when they were on a cruise in the Caribbean. They seen it out over the ocean, and uh, he was just looking at me like, "How the hell did you know that?" I'm mean, like, "I didn't know it. I'm just asking you. You know, what have you ever experienced that?" And he's like, "Yeah," and a lot of our clients have, mm-hmm. but a lot also a lot yeah. of our cases that we've done were based around an individual. Mm. It was an, an individual, kind of like projecting poltergeist activity. Um. And, you know, I never wanted to believe that, but, you know, the more cases that we did over the years that I think about it now, there was, these people were being haunted their whole lives. They, every place, mm-hmm. since they were children, every place they moved, they were experiencing paranormal events. And uh, since they were small. So now, you know, they're growing up, they're still experiencing these these paranormal events everywhere they move. They're like, man, we're, we're experiencing paranormal events. We don't understand what's going on. We don't understand what's going on. Well, there's haunted places, but there's also haunted people, you know, and no matter where they move, they're going to experience paranormal activity wherever they go. They're going to experience it. And sometimes they're projecting it. They're projecting the activity, you know, and it's, it's amazing, but there are some things that are out there that I don't think are ghosts. There's something else, you know, Uh there's something else. I just don't know what it is, you know. I mean, you, you want to think that uh, there is some kind of as- afterlife, you know what I mean? And maybe there's something else after you die. But, you know, uh, in that same token, we're experiencing a lot of things. Like in this Marietta case, we're experiencing a lot of things. And um, I've yet to have one of my family members come back from the dead and tell me that everything was okay. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which kind of leaves you that <laughs> that doubt. You know, there's that mm-hmm. doubt, but then we're experiencing these things that we can't explain. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're experiencing a, a, an intelligent response to things. You know, we're asking questions to something. We're opening a line of communication to whatever's in this house, and it's communicating back with us. I can't explain it. Can you? Oh. Yeah. I mean, I mean what the I, hell is it? You know, it's like one of those weird things, too, of like, I don't know if we'll ever know, but the hunt is like, um, like the hunt almost is like the goal. You know what I mean? Like for me, you know, like the, it's just like as you as you do it, you I feel like uh, I mean, you've been doing it for 20 years. I just started really diving into it um but i've kind of um you know it's just almost a point where i'm like i'm not interested in convincing anyone that there's ghosts you know what i mean like i just want to i now know something weird is exists in this world and i just want to explore it and like find out as much as i can about it but i may not know exactly what it is ever if that makes sense yeah yeah i mean like right now i have more questions than answers yeah. You know, and I've always said that I have way more questions than answers to this phenomenon. It's it, it's just unpredictable, you know, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. Like, you know, we, we're in a Marietta case all night. You know, we're not having things happen all night long. But then all of a sudden we we have something happen. You know what I mean? Totally crazy. Like, And, and what made that happen at that time? You know, we heard a voice. You know, I mean, the last time. I think we were downstairs. We heard a voice in the uh, that kitchen area again. I think you were with me when I heard it. I was like, dude, I just, I just heard a voice. And I asked, I think I asked you and Carl, did you hear that voice? And you guys didn't hear it, but I heard it when I was plugged into the recorder. And uh, I can't remember exactly what it said. I forgot. What that oh, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, oh, Carl said, do you want us to turn the lights on? And That's it said, not yet. Not right now. That's what it said. Not right now. And I heard it, but you guys didn't hear it. Remember? Mm-hmm. I was like, did you guys just whisper something? And you're, you're like, no, we didn't whisper anything. Like, did you hear it? And you're like, no, I didn't hear anything. But I was plugged into that recorder and I could hear it. I heard it. But then when I played it back, I'm like, oh, my God, this is not right now. It intelligently responded to what Carl asked. Mm-hmm. He said, do you want us to turn the lights on? It said, not right now. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a direct, intelligent response. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Like there was no one there. <laughs> you know what I mean, how the hell is this happening? Like you're you're getting a voice responding to a question, and there's no one there. Uh-huh. It wasn't you. It wasn't Carl. Oh. It certainly wasn't me. You know, but there it, it is. And it was pretty like it was pretty clear that recording. Yeah, I you showed it. You played it for us like right afterwards. Like not yeah. even edited, just straight off your recorder. Yeah, you could hear it. Yeah, and I put it on a computer, and I really cleaned it up on the computer, and you could really hear it. And it's like, mm. not right now. I'm like, what the hell? Like, it's just intelligently responding. You know, I cannot wait to really get all the evidence done. It's, it's I have so much evidence that I'm I'm going over, trying to get it done. You know, like four hours a night when I get home, but it's kind of hard some nights because I got work involved and. You know, I'm getting calls from work, and then I'm like, got to stop what I'm doing, take a call from work. or You know, it's it's a pain in the butt, but, you know, I'm going to get it all done for her because I'm going to make a uh, – I'm just going to put everything on a thumb drive, 
and and give it to her. You know, say here, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we caught. And and I have everybody's audio that sent me. You guys just sent me clips and mm-hmm. uh, like that one you sent me. You heard was freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, <laughs> asking you know who are you like intelligently asking you who are you you know what i mean you're like i just heard a voice you, you, that was your response was awesome you know what i mean because <laughs> you're new at it and you're like you're totally shocked you're like i just heard a voice and yeah, you're like did I you hear that like, yo who did that <laughs> <laughs> everybody's also like no we didn't no i think tom heard it too yeah tom heard it yeah tom heard it. yeah I, I heard a voice for sure you're like that was definitely a voice that was definitely a voice <laughs> that was that was so cool so yeah. cool, man. And what's also interesting too is that it was asked, that was the first time we investigated in the basement. The first yeah, time we, we didn't, didn't do it. Yeah, because we didn't we, do it the I, last time. I think we what stepped in the basement for five seconds and we we're like, nah. And then we and then this time we were like, it was cleaned up better. And so we we're like, let's go back, let's investigate down there. And within literally 20 minutes, it was it's it was ridiculously short amount of time. Uh we yeah, were down you heard a disembodied voice. That. Yeah. And asking who are you? So maybe yeah. the person down there hasn't seen us upstairs, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, like maybe it's down, you know, down in the, you know, down in the basement hiding out or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but there is intelligent responses like throughout the house, from the second floor to the first floor to the basement. Now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And and the neighbors, you know, all claim to see this dog outside too. This mm-hmm. paranormal dog, this black German Shepherd. And multiple people have seen it. I want to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm dying to see this dog. I want to see it. Not literally dying, but I want to see this dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? I definitely want to see it. Yeah. That, it, there's a, it's like, um, yeah, I'm just going through some of the notes of like the general gist of like what the neighbors have said are all just like the dog. There was, <clears throat> We saw they put the dog in like the front. Um, they saw someone put a German Shepherd through the front door of the house, and like, I guess like one of the neighbors saw that, and then they went to talk to the person who was at the house um, if they have a like German Shepherd, and they're like, "No, what are you talking about? I just like I I didn't do that." So like they there was like one weird story like that, and there was another one that the neighbors said. Of I guess they were trying to put a pool in at the house at some at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and one of the workers heard like scratching at, like at the door next to where he was working. Yeah, he heard and a he dog like, in there, right? Yeah, yeah, and he like was like, "What the heck is that?" And he opened it, and according to the neighbor, he saw the dog, and then like he shut the door, and, and it was like, in. "Yeah," and it was in. like. Yeah, and then was like, you know, hey, I didn't know you had a dog. Just let me know. And she was like, I've just, I don't have a German Shepherd. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So that's a weird one too. Yeah, yeah, it's totally weird. You know what I mean? You're just like, what the hell? And supposedly, you know, they had. I remember him saying that they had locked the guy locked the dog in the in the shed, and the yeah. owner came home and he said, well, the dog's still in the shed. And when they opened the shed, it, there was no dog in there. Yeah, that must be it. Yeah. And because the, the owner was like, "There's no dog in here," and he was, there was a black German Shepherd in there, like growling, showing his teeth, you know, because he did say the dog was like growling and showing his teeth mm-hmm. too. So, I mean, that's freaking awesome. And you know, in our first investigation, Carl's son did hear what he thought he heard was dogs' nails walking on the wood floor. Mm-hmm. We didn't. I didn't hear it, but 
Kyle's son is, you know, I mean, uh, Carl's son, Kyle, was, he's a pretty good kid. And, uh, you know, if he heard something, I definitely believe he heard it, you know. Uh, we didn't capture it on vi- on audio, but uh, I definitely believe he heard it because he's like, I kid you not, I heard a dog's, you know, feet like walking, you know, toenails walking across the floor in that hallway. And that's where they see it a lot was in that hallway. So I'm so hoping we get that dog on video. <laughs> I want to get it on video, man. So yep. bad. We got at least one more shot. At, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping we get something on this next investigation because uh, I, I'm, I'm going to ask a lot of questions that I've been really curious about over the years about after the afterlife and is there a heaven and is there a hell? And, you know, I, I want some answers. I've always wanted something to give me an answer verbally, like something communicating with me. So, you know, everything's there is a heaven. Everything's going to be OK. And then you, you don't you're not afraid as much to die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause death is a big fear for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid of a whole lot of stuff, but dying is one thing that I'm afraid of. And uh, if I just had that assurance that everything is going to be okay, it was not going to be that bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then you can kind of live your life. That's basically why I do this too. I do it for clients, but I do it for my own curiosity as well. You know, and I think that's why a lot of people do it too. Like yourself, you're you're interested in it too. You're not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're in, we're in, in it to help clients as well, but we're in it for our own curiosity too. Of you know, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know if you believe in the whole demonic thing and stuff like that. I no. don't really believe in the demonic thing at all. Um, I know it sells like crazy. You know, and a lot of groups out here, you know, they use it to gain some kind of weird funky status in the paranormal community that they are demonologists and they're exorcists and they can get rid of ghosts, but you know, you can't get rid of these things, folks. They're, they're just, no, it doesn't happen like that. You know, you sprinkle, you know, some holy water around and these things are going to go away. It just doesn't happen like that because I, I know for a fact it doesn't happen because I've been a, a part of it. And uh, it never stopped, the, you know, the paranormal activity never stopped. And, and in some cases, it increased, you know, and uh, that's not what you want. You don't want it to increase. They're already having, you know, stuff happening to them and they're afraid. And if we come in and make it worse, then what the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why, why are we here? I know we're here to experience the phenomena as well, but we're also here to, to help these people. You know, and you're, you're going to see when you get into some of these cases that some of these people are really scared to death, man, you know, and you feel sorry for them because, you know, you know, when they turn the lights out at night, they don't know what the hell is going to happen. You know what I mean? And it's that fear of when those lights go out and we're laying in bed, what the hell is going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. and that's not that's not that's not something that you want you know what i mean like i, I know i wouldn't want to lay in bed being you know in fear every night of what's going to happen what kind of noises am i going to hear what kind of voices are going to be knocking you know footsteps stuff like that stuff's creepy as hell man mm-hmm. you know there's nothing cool about that. that's creepy it's <laughs> i mean it happens in a lot of places but it's totally creepy you know you know you're working on a case now you know that we have and um they're experiencing a ton of stuff in that house too I mean, they were calling it like the, the Amityville of the area that they're in, you know, and uh, 
that's creepy. They got you know small children in the house. That's it's kind of funky, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, it's just we got one more shot at the Marietta case. So hopefully, you know, we get something on video and we get some really cool, cool direct responses more this time. So hopefully, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm praying it happens. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just amazing stuff that happens in that house. I, I love it. I wish I could buy it. I wish I had the money to buy it. It'd be mine. <laughs> I was like, how much you willing to sell that house for? <laughs> I offer some money to it. As long as it ain't too crazy, but they're doing a lot of upgrades in that house. Yeah. So she's probably asking a ton of money for it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, man, it sucks. I'd love to own that house. I tell you what, it, from when we first went in there to I can't imagine what it's gonna look like when we go back, but it was it was pretty jacked up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the floors were you know there was holes all in the floors and the walls were falling apart, and uh, I can't wait to see what it looks like now if they're almost ready to sell it. You know, so I can tell you one thing: whoever sells it, I'm gonna give them my card and say, "Look, I will investigate this whatever you want." <laughs> The house is definitely haunted. Without a doubt, the house is haunted. So please call us. We'll come in. It's free of charge. <laughs> I'm sure the current owner would be very happy to to advertise that it's uh, haunted before they sell it. Yeah, you know, I, I talked to him. I was like, you know, you could make this a bed and breakfast, a haunted bed and breakfast, and make a killing. Mm. You know what I mean? And make a killing off them because people like that weirdness you know what i mean like staying in a haunted place or you know what i mean especially a bed and breakfast with a haunted bed and breakfast and they're going to experience the some of the phenomena that we've experienced oh dude they're coming back mm-hmm. you know it especially if they're really into like paranormal stuff they're coming back man and if you get a show there like ghost hunters or something like that and they're confirming it's haunted on national television dude they're gonna make some money uh and you know it's it's sad that we exploit this stuff for money, but I mean, if you can do it and make a ton of money on it, why not? The phenomena is there. It's not going to go away, mm. you know, and it's giving people, uh, you know, an experience, you know, that they might not have somewhere else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or where else are you going to go and experience disembodied voices that you know you're going to hear something? Not many places, you know? Not many. So, next case is Marietta again. <laughs> so, um, and so, are you doing more? So, you're going to be doing more episodes on Marietta, kind of as we wrap yeah, up the case. Yeah, we're right? gonna we're gonna do uh, the next one. I guess you can come on and we'll do the uh, the EVPs and more experiences that we've, we're gonna uh, experience. You know. Yeah. And. Um, then we'll wrap it up with that, with doing the EVPs and, and the evidence that we've caught. And awesome. uh, we'll get we'll call it a wrap on that more on the Marietta case and on to another case. Which we're gonna do different stuff on the show too. And uh we bring you along with that. We're doing like um cryptid stuff, UFOs. I love UFO stuff, I love cryptid stuff, Bigfoots, all that crazy stuff. I love all that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Um which I'm gonna I'm gonna have some people from like I said from the BFRO from the Bigfoot Research Organization. I'm gonna nice. have people on here from there. I am gonna have people from MUFON on here. Nice. Um 
like I said, Dr. Barry Taff will probably come on. He's, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but uh, he wrote a book. So. He wrote, he wrote a book about uh, ghosts and aliens. It's called aliens above ghosts below. Oh, um, oh, I have heard of that book. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote that book. Um, Dr. Taff was like, I would talk about him in my shows cause he's such a, a big influence on me. He always has been. Uh, I met him at a paranormal conference uh, probably 15 years ago. And, you know, there was a lot of paranormal celebrities there. But, you know, he was the only one that really took time to talk about his experiences in the paranormal investigation field. And he's in- investigated over probably 5,000 cases. Um, and he was part of, like, they made a movie about one of his cases called The Entity, if you ever heard of that. It was made back mm-hmm. in the... 83 or something like that. 83, 84. About a, a, a woman that was being raped by a ghost. And uh, I tell you, man, he, he went into detail with some of the stuff that happened in that case. And it was amazing, dude. Amazing. And he took the time to sit there with me and talk about this stuff, which not a lot of people do that. These, you know, a pair of celebrities they take their two minute, you know, 30 second picture with you and they're, they're gone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He sat down with me for two hours and talked, you know, and I, I appreciated wow. that. Yeah, and uh, he's actually been on – he was on my show a long time ago, and uh, I actually got him on uh, Big Sarge's show, uh, Disembodied Voices, and uh, I'm going to have him on this show and probably do a couple uh, shows with him on here talking about his – I mean, he's been in the paranormal field for 50 years, man. Wow. 50 years, dude. That's amazing. Yeah. And the, the amount of stuff that he has experienced is unparalleled, you know, it's unparalleled to anything that anyone's ever done, you know. I mean, he was part of the first kind of like real study on uh, telekinesis, ghosts, and this was at, at, a, at, a, at UCLA. He went to UCLA, and he was a part of this. It's all, it, it was. It happened for about eight years, and then it was. It's gone. I mean, he is a parapsychologist. Um, so like I said we're going to have him on the show too. So, you know, you definitely want to come on board with that one and talk with this guy. You're going to really like talking with this guy. He's awesome. Oh yeah, really awesome. Uh, I'll I'll be here for that. Definitely. definitely. I I literally just added it to my Christmas list. The book. I have the book. If you want to read it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can bring it on the next investigation. You can check it out. It's it's awesome, man. All right, it's sweet. awesome. Um, so we're gonna wrap this one up for tonight, man. We went like almost an hour and a half. Holy crap! Um, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we went a while on this one. <laughs> um, so we're gonna wrap this up tonight, folks. Uh, come on back next Thursday, eight p.m. We're gonna be talking about all kinds of paranormal crap. You know, we love the paranormal stuff here. We're going to be talking about Bigfoots, ghosts, UFOs, cryptids. We're going we're gonna to go into all kinds of crap, man. We love it. We love it. And a paranormal, we're going to be doing it. So thanks for coming on with me, Nick. I uh, can't wait to have you back and doing some more stuff with me. And uh, Anytime. Dude, it was a blast, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so next time, next Thursday, everybody, join us. Come back. Thanks for being on tonight, Nick, and uh, see you next Thursday, 8 p.m. Join me, everybody. Have a good night.
Yeah. Uh-huh.